With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Player profiler posse. Week three is in the books, and what a week three it was. Devon A. Chan, A. Chain, what are we calling this man anymore? But it doesn't matter. The dude is phenomenal, putting up four total touchdowns. We had not to be overshadowed by Raheem Mostert. The Dolphins are cooking, but we enter week four, and we have this Miami Dolphins team taking on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So there's a lot to talk about. You know what it is. I am Hilo, and this is Player Profiler. I am joined this beautiful Monday afternoon by none other than Todd Burrows. And if you've been around the best ball industry, the DFS industry, longer for then, then this week, you know of Todd Burrows. You know who he is. Todd, how are we doing today, man? I am always overjoyed to reunite with you, Mark, and to uh, talk any kind of football. Likewise, man. And you are, as soon as we took over this whole gig with First Mover, I knew that you were on the top of the list for somebody that I wanted to have on the show. You are the second guest that we've had on. I did a lot of solo type stuff. So really, really excited to dig into week four. And along the same lines of what we say at every beginning of this show, we have not spoken about the slate. We are getting our first reactions, our first look the first mover together. So I'm excited to check out the slate. Um, have you taken a look at the slate yet? I All I did was 10 minutes before the show, kind of just jotted down some notes on things that jumped out at me. One, way, you know, Mostly guys that I would be interested in getting a second mover on. Um, nice. Which is better than a bowel mover. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask, I guess. Well, that's what a second <laughs> mover typically is. Yes, let's take a look at this slate real quick. I mean, this right. is, uh, from a top-level perspective, the slate uh, it looks a lot like the slate that we saw over the first two weeks of the season, where there's one clear and away top-expected game environment. There's two or three that are in this kind of nebulous range of game totals, similar or some, you know, typically hovering around the 47.0 game total mark. So obviously, looking at the slate, something jumps out to us above all else, and that's this juicy 53 and a half game total of the Miami Dolphins heading now to Buffalo 
to take on the Bills. So first reaction of this game environment, what jumps out to you just from a for, from a first reaction perspective? Well, I haven't looked at the four o'clock game. So when I look, okay, so my, my first reaction is, is if, because late swap is so important in DFS, the, the first thing I want to do is look at viable, vi, are there, are the viable pivots late or are the viable pivots early? Because, and just looking there, I, I see what, only two late games? Or is that There's three? three. Yeah. There's three. three. All right. So the Chargers and the Raiders, where's the over under on that? 47 this, and a yeah. half. Um, and the and the Niners Cardinals at 44. I would I would expect that to rise a little, Mark. Would you? Probably not, to be honest. And I think it's probably the because Cardinals team that, total is probably not gonna rise. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then you got the Cowboys against the tough Patriots team. That one I could see even being a little lower than 43. So, But there is at least one way to pivot late. Um, and, and that's important because if it, because it allows you to split up if you want to go away from the chalky game. And I think it, after a team scores 70 fantasy points and then they go to play Josh Allen, I think people are going, and, and some of the pricing is still reasonable on most stared and whatever a chain. I'm going to call them a chain, a chan. <laughs> it's um, the third time it's changed. So yeah. Um, well, first he changed the first name, and yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, I thought only wide receivers would be this, <clears throat> but um, you know, if that game, if the ownership gets to the point that I don't want to play it. I can take pieces of that game, try and hit the good pieces, hope the game comes in under, and use that Vegas Chargers game. <clears throat> um, I'll go right into DK pricing. Jimmy Garoppolo concussion. I played a lot of Aiden O'Connor, Connell, late yeah. in best ball uh, because Devontae Adams is a human spike week, and he's shown he can do it with anyone. Um Look up, look up the price on Aiden, four thousand bucks. So, yeah, um, right there, that you know, that gives me a pivot. I don't think he's a downgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo uh, necessarily, and um, it would put Jacoby Myers in play. So, um, I think right away, if I want to have a pivot, there at least is a late pivot to get to. Yeah, and this game environment is super interesting because we have an already hyper-concentrated pass offense with the Chargers that is now even more concentrated in the absence of Austin Eckler that is now even more concentrated because Mike Williams, God rest his soul, tore his ACL this past week. Oh, and so, Palmer's only 4K. Yeah, so there's some interesting, so he's interesting gonna be aspects. He's going to be chalky. I don't think this game is going to end up that much under owned. Um, I mean, if I can figure it out within three seconds, but um, at least it's something, you know, if you're looking for first mover and how to think as a first mover, um, these are the kind of chess moves that you want to start considering. 
Yeah, so like you said, this game is probably not going to go overlooked, but we we do have this suppressing factor that it's a late game and that we're expecting to get some extreme levels of ownership uh, from that Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills game. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting concepts when looking at kind of this slate from a top-down perspective. And we also have somewhat of a suppressing factor as far as the uncertainty with Jimmy Garoppolo. Is it going to be Brian Hoyer behind him? With a full week of practice, could we see preseason darling um, Aiden O'Connell? So there's a lot of interesting aspects of this game. And I, I just mentioned the hyper-concentration, uh, <laughs> concentrated uh, facet of this um, Chargers pass offense. Well, look at the Raiders. They, are, they have two players that are combining for 72% of the available targets in the offense when both of them are healthy, obviously, um, with one of them missing a game with a concussion. And then we have a running back in Josh Jacobs who has significantly underperformed to this point in the season, but is seeing 85% of the team's running back opportunities. So there's a lot of concentration expected. And we should also preface that discussion with, I don't think Austin Eckler is going to be back this week. They, the Chargers go on their bye in week five. Why not give them, uh, well, maybe a reason why not to give him another week is they're 0-3. And, <laughs> and, and, and they're going to think they can beat the Raiders without him. Yeah. Well, sorry, right? they're not 0-3. They won last week, so they're 1-2. But the, the Chargers are going to believe at home they can beat the Raiders without Eckler. So why put him out there and risk him? I, I think that's an under as uh, people underestimate the value of that thought when people yeah. are on the bubble, you know, NFL coaches are always thinking, can I get the win? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that thought process as well. So I guess that discussion kind of naturally leads us over to what's expected to be the game of the week here um, in Miami and Buffalo. We have, one offense who is humming along, looking like one of the greater offenses over the previous 10 seasons in Miami. And we have a Bills team that has more or less not, we won't say they've underperformed, but they haven't gotten to the level where we expect them to be, where they're kind of treating every possession as if it is a, an opportunity to, you know, make improve to make a run at the Super Bowl. Um, we haven't seen what this offense is going to be to its full potential yet. They're still messing around with heavy, heavy rates of 12 personnel with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. So how do you think all those pieces come together? Is this something that the field is just going to look at this 53 and a half game total and, and just bite into this game environment? Or do you think there's going to be some level of pause here, particularly with the Buffalo Bills? Well, I don't think the price... I mean, I don't think that the uh, factor that you just mentioned will slow it down as much as the pricing. So, yeah. you, you know, go back to that game um, and, 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 you know, start at quarterback. So right away, you're at least at 7,400. Now hit flex. And you got 9,200, 8,100, 7,600, 6,500. So... <clears throat> It's, it's a game that if you take a few pieces, you're going to have to have a few. In other words, <clears throat> like a lot of the work that you do, Mark, is 
what, what's the slate going to look like? What are, what's the average build going to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, this this game is going to lock you into certain builds. Um, you're going to need a few low price players. You're going to see a lot of these teams with Josh Palmer at, at four thousand dollars. That way, people will get a piece of that uh, of that Charger game. So all the more, again, it makes me want to take two pieces, one of each team from this game, and play it with the other one. Now, that being said, Justin Herbert's also 70. Let's go over to that one. Yep. So, I mean, you know, uh, you, now you've got, yeah, 7,800. So if you, I mean, let's face it, Josh McDaniels is, he's bad. Right. I mean, I could absolutely see him going to I mean, remember, Brian Hoyer had been around a couple years when he had those that big year with Josh Gordon in 2012. Right? Brian Hoyer was for many years a decent backup. Um, Brian Hoyer is terrible now. Right, like if you've seen him the last few times he had to play, um, he's not the Brian Hoyer that we even remember. Um, but I could see Josh McDaniels playing him. But if Aiden O'Connor is available at four thousand dollars, I think there's going to be a lot of people who won't play O'Connell at four K. Even um, I can't see him getting above about ten percent ownership. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but um, it, it, what, what this, what I'm, the, the things I'm seeing here is the games everyone's going to want to play is going to bring a lot of salary along and a lot of a, uh, average builds that, you know, a lot of builds that look the same. So let's look yeah. at, let's look at the next two or three high scoring games and see if we can find something that, isn't going to make us want to throw up for passing on these two spots that we like. Yeah, there's a couple of spots, and we'll get into those real quick. But if you're paying attention at home, you can kind of get the sense that Todd and I are both speaking about the Raiders situation as if Jimmy G is going to be out. And if we look at kind of how teams and the league are handling these concussion situations, I don't think we have seen a single concussed player play the following week uh, uh through three weeks do you, can does anybody come to mind that has no and come jimmy's back had play? a few and jimmy's had a few of them i think yeah so, so uh, this is a situation where it's highly likely that jimmy garoppolo is going to be out um and it's interesting also i don't know if jimmy g self-reported symptoms after the game um but there was that weird hit um in the third quarter where he looked like he was kind of flabbergasted. He looked like he was a little woozy Um, and he came back into the game and finished the game. So that might be some additional work that goes on behind the scenes with the league and with the NFL PA um, where we might hear some more about this story moving forward as well. Um, Because I don't know. All, All I saw was that Jimmy Garoppolo was placed in the concussion protocol per Josh McDaniels. I didn't see any reports of when that happened uh, or how that happened, if it was self-reported or what. Have you seen anything to that extent? uh, That's all that's out there. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so looking at kind of down the list of top expected game environments from there, we have Washington Commanders at Philadelphia Eagles with a 44 and a half game total, but a seven point spread. We have the, oh God, here we go. We have the Denver Broncos at the Chicago Bears with a somewhat healthy for these teams, 46 point game total. Currently, we have the Vikings who are now 0-3, taking on a Carolina Panthers team that could again be without their starting quarterback. But in that discussion, we have Andy Dalton, who attempted 58 passes in his absence this week. Um, and also by, we have... By the, way, by the way, Andy Dalton, I mean, his hair has gotten redder as time has gone on. <laughs> and so if he is coloring his hair, and, you know, I think it's reasonable assumption that he is, he's, he's really following through because the eyebrows are also... A really, really, you know, I mean, I, I mean, he is really going for, you know, the, the, the look. You got to, man. You got to own that if you got it. Shoot, I would. Yeah, I, once, I, once I went bald, it was over. So I was going to say, would, <laughs> would you I, rather I, be bald or would you rather have red hair? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, hold on. Do I have a coin? Somewhere? <laughs> Flip it, baby. So I've, I went through and highlighted kind of these, the, the four games that we talked about there, the Commanders and the Eagles. Um, this is the one we didn't get to. It's the, the Rams and the uh, Colts, who are currently playing to a 45.0 opening line uh, with a nice little spread of one point. And I think that takes into account that Vegas is currently expecting Anthony Richardson back, I would say. Um, with that opening spread. Would you agree or you think this is Minshew mania? Um, I mean, I would I would expect Richardson to be back. Um, yeah. But, you know, in my notes, I wrote down Justin Fields at 6,600 and Matt Stafford at 5,700. And, you know, one of the things that really amazes me about the NFL is that, you know, with analytics starting to come and be more popular, um, you know, things that 10 years ago, you know, running quarterbacks, everyone running. Um, it's, it's always funny to me to find coaches who have to learn a lesson and then the next year act as if they don't remember the lesson that they had yeah. to learn the year before. Is this a Luke Getzey discussion? Well I, well, I don't know who you want to blame for the decision because a lot of times I only blame the head coach, right? Because okay. a, a lot of times the offensive coordinator, his job is to, you know, to try and put up points and to try and impress people so he can be a head coach. A head coach okay. a lot of times thinks high-minded thoughts and, you know, I've worked with a bunch of, you know, sales managers and CEOs. And sometimes it is the sales manager who's an idiot. And sometimes it's the owner who's the idiot. But <clears throat> anyway, the fact that they are not running design, because when Justin Fields was running design plays, he was also a better passer. Yeah. And, you know, the guy was putting up 45 point weeks. And yeah. they don't run the ball with him. It's like buying a freaking Maserati and driving around the parking lot at a Walmart. It is yeah. insane. So I have to 
being someone, you know, a, you know, with best ball, a lot of best ball is about figuring out the puzzle that includes the player and the coaches and whether the coaches, the GMs, whoever are rational players or not. And, and where are they rational and where are they not? Yeah. <clears throat> Matt Eberfluss is going to lose his job if this team goes 2-12, and 12, you know, 2-15, and 15, whatever, right? And it'll be the next coach who gets Caleb Williams. So I feel like at some point they're going to wake up and start calling a number of designed runs for Justin Fields I would say week four in a game that's very, very winnable, you know, I'm going to be well over on Justin Fields until they figure this out uh, because the salary is just going to keep dropping. And if he puts up a 45 spot with 6-6 salary, you're going to – you're going to win yourself a lot of money. An interesting aspect in that discussion of Justin Fields is something that we covered on this show heading into week two. And that's the way to beat Justin Fields is to make him think. And even after this week three loss, he came out and said like, or before the week three game, he came out and said like, yo, I just, I know I do the prep, but when it gets to game day, I just want to go out there and ball. It's like, yeah, because you don't have to read a defense when you're under pressure and you're escaping and you're trying to run. You're just doing what, comes naturally to you that's important i think and and in week two uh for the listeners you'll remember we were targeting dj Moore against tampa bay because tampa bay was near the top of the league in blitz rate so we expected them to be getting after justin fields and he wouldn't have to think in that situation when he's under pressure he could just deliver the ball to his first read and move on or escape the pocket and move on um but when he's like when you sit back and when you make Justin Fields try and read and diagnose a defense. That's where he's getting into all this trouble. That's important. I think because now he's playing a Denver Broncos team that is likely not going to blitz him a ton. You look at Vance Joseph and he's very comfortable settling into this manner zone. Uh, He plays both, um, but he's very comfortable not blitzing. And if I'm Vance Joseph, I just got embarrassed. Am I going to want to go and put fields in a situation where he excels by blitzing a ton? Or am I going to want to sit back and just let him have to read my zone defense? Well, if I, if, if I'm sitting in his shoes, I'm going to go just play a shit ton of cover two and cover three and rush three and four and just basically contain the edge, make sure that fields is not able to get out on the edge and make him read my defense. Um, that's an interesting discussion. I don't know. I, obviously, this is our first reaction. We're, I haven't broken this game down yet. Um, but that's kind of where my initial thoughts take me. Any reaction to that, Todd? Not really. Okay. Sorry. I uh, No, not at I, all. I, 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 I don't want to get into the mind of Vance Joseph. Yeah. I mean, I we're talking about out. a guy. We're talking about a guy who is a defensive coordinator for the team he used to be the head coach for. Am I wrong? As far as playing them? No. Wasn't Vance Joseph the head? Which, which team's got Vance Joseph? Vance Joseph was uh, – hold on. I'm looking it up now. Now I'm drawing a blank. Wasn't he the Broncos head coach? 
he was, yeah, 2017-2018. You are correct. And, and where is he the defensive coordinator now? In the Broncos. So, what's <laughs> um, Yeah, all right. I mean, you know, the, the, I don't know that I've ever heard of that before. But a um, head coach coming back to the organization as a defensive coordinator, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, no, but I like Fields. I also like Stafford next week. Yeah. Um, you know, you put Stafford in a dome and um, 5,700. And look at uh, Puka. You know, he's in, still in the sixes. Yeah, and pricing and, came and, out before and, his game tonight. So. Yeah, and, and Atwell is, in, uh, I think, 5'5", five, five, from what I looked at. Yep. Um, and what's Higby? Dead. Yeah. Um, so, oh, and, and Kyron, I think, was 6K. So, you know, I mean, that's that that's that's pretty damn attractive. Um, I, I think that, unfortunately, Pittman was 6'5", which is a little higher than I would like. But yeah. go look at Josh Downs, 3,500. And he played as the number two yesterday, uh, from what I was reading. Is, uh, can you, you, you're, you're the stat man. Yeah. I'm looking that up right now, actually, as you were talking, cause I was interested. I hadn't seen that yet. Um, no, I mean, he's playing the slot role. Um, Michael Pittman, hundred percent snap rate, Alec Pierce, 96% snap rate, Josh Downs. All right, but what about targets? So, Who got the most second most targets? Yeah, it was, it was downs. Alec yeah. Pierce is, you know, all the downfield stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah and you're going to get less of, and you're going to get less of that with Minshew. Although they haven't let Richardson throw deep much yet either. But my point is, this is a really interesting game, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of game where if ownership stays low, you can really get some good leverage, and the pieces of this game can help you to get piece. You know, you can add pieces from those other good games to these pieces. And build some really good lineups, I think. Zach Even Moss Zach Moss. A... Yeah, that's a guy what, we didn't the, mention. What, what was He's at 6K. He's at 6K. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're um, using an optimizer to build, you know, you could make a lot of really good lineups with this game as the base. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, I mean, the average salary right here you're below with these eight, what one, these seven pieces here, you're below 5,500 a player, which is the baseline expectation. Yeah. And there's not um, a lot, you know, unless some value opens up, we're not expecting other than Palmer at 4k and down. I wrote down Palmer at 4k downs at three, five at um, Thielen at four, five Dell is still four, six. So yeah. thank that that that's uh, my boy Tank Dell. Um, there really isn't a lot to like. Uh, Ferguson is three five, and Goddard is four four. Goddard is really well priced this week. Yeah. There's also the aspect of two of these teams on the main slate next weekend are playing on Monday Night Football. Um, before we get kind of that piece of the pie here, or that piece of the puzzle here. Um, what happens if Puka goes out tonight and sees 15 more targets? <laughs> what's what's Puka's ownership going to be like next week? 
um, with three consecutive games of insane usage. I mean, this is a guy who has set NFL records um, for most targets over the first two games of a career, most targets in a single game for a rookie, most receptions in a single game for a rookie. What happens if he sees 15 looks again tonight? Uh, what's his ownership going to be like tomorrow at 6,700? Uh, not tomorrow, I, I, next week. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so there's um, some interesting aspects at play there as well. Um, and then, obviously, the other big one is Philadelphia. We have a Philadelphia um, offense who's playing um, tonight. And the, the Eagles have not – they're not the same team. Let's just make that very clear. They Their offense is very, very close to the same team. They maintained all of the same pieces. They have the top uh, blocking offensive line in the league. Uh, but their defense is not the same team. And I think that's – we can highlight kind of that idea here. If we look at – well, let's just pull – I know he's probably not going to play, but that big green 32nd next to Washington's matchup, this is a team who is bleeding production over the middle of the field right now. Um, and now they have additional injuries to deal with in the secondary. We have James Bradbury who's stepping into the lineup. There's a lot of moving pieces in the secondary and primarily with the linebacking core that is very different from last year. They basically brought in, they saw their linebacking core basically get decimated through free agency in the offseason. And they brought in basically rushers and edge players uh, to fill those gaps. So they're still going to generate a ton of pressure on that defensive line, but they are struggling in tight end coverage. They are struggling against opposing slot wide receivers, and they are struggling against opposing pass catching running backs because of that coverage from their linebacking core. So why is that important? Well, they're playing a Washington commanders team. Um, that has some of those pieces to take advantage of some of that. Are you at all? Is this a guy? This just come here, lean in real quick. How do you feel about Cole Turner? Um, I think the guy's got some juice. I think he's in darling. I started taking a few shares very late in best ball. Um, and I didn't get to watch much of that Buffalo game yesterday. Um, yeah. they obviously, ha- you know. But when you have a, a quarterback in his first year, a lot of times, um, a lot of times he will um, have these games where, the, especially on the road, one of his first games on the road where it's just terrible. So um, where is this game? It's at it's, Philly. But it's, it's in Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this game doesn't interest me as much. Um, but I, I think obviously I mentioned Goddard. What's uh, what did Dotson do yesterday? Did he do anything? No. Four targets. Four targets. I mean that's really disappointing. Uh, yeah. What about uh, F one? Similar. Six targets. Six to six. Yeah, they just couldn't move the ball yesterday. Um, yeah. I'll tell you a guy that I was drafting a ton of. I don't like him on DraftKings as much, but uh, Brian Robinson. Um, I mean, that's Philly's not really the team to play a running back against. But um, the, uh, all uh, all you, uh, especially on half PPR, I I was loading up on Brian Robinson uh, the last month or two of best ball. I, I I felt that the team had signaled he was the guy they liked more, 
And then you started hearing news that um, they were also trying to get him in the pass game a little bit. Um, yeah. I know we hear that at times and it doesn't work out, uh, but it's, it, it, you know, it, it didn't seem to happen yesterday. But uh, anyway, um, enough on this game. I, don't, I personally, right. do you like it more than I do? No, I'm just we're 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 kicking it together, man. We're just working through the slate. Um, and I wanted to throw it out because it has a moderate game total. Um, but before we jump to the next game environment, real quick, we're gonna hear from the Podfather himself about the new DFS Dominator. DFS getting harder every year, but we're here to make it easier with the DFS Dominator because I know a lot of optimizers keep coming out. Oh, our optimizer. What about this optimizer? But that optimizer. Well, we have a cash game optimizer that leverages the projections from Dario, Billy, the award-winning projections at playerprofiler.com and builds the best lineups for cash games that have both upside and stability because that's what you want. It's a couple clicks, boom, boom, boom. You get the best possible lineup for your cash games. But for tournaments, traditional optimizers don't work. That's why we have a lineup genius, which takes you through the process of building lineups the way they should be built. Which quarterbacks do you want to be overweight on? Then building stacks, then setting runbacks, then optimizing, and generating up to 150 lineups that you can easily import into DraftKings, into FanDuel. That's the DFS Dominator. It's only $45. A year, not not a week, a, a year, a year. Just go to Player Profiler, click on the DFS Dominator from the menu, and you won't be sorry. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. We are now back. I'm here with Todd Burrows. We are talking about the week four DFS first look here on First Mover. The game I want to talk about next, Todd, is one that we kind of went over a little bit earlier, but I want to dig into a little bit more of the meat and potatoes here. Um, and that's Denver and Chicago. And I want to specifically talk about the Denver Broncos. Do you think, and we look at, I think it was... Uh, uh, in, in general, no. Okay. Do, what do what about think, Mr. Marvin Mims? Are you at all interested there? I mean, the guy's got like seven touches and like a million points. 
And you, again, rational coaching. I mean, I would yeah. think Sean Payton was a rational coach, right? But after he showed, uh, what was his snap rate this week versus last week? About the same. So let me get your real. I mean, there. the guy gets two big touchdowns and you play him the same. So now he's 3,900. It was exactly I gotta say that I have less interest. I would rather double down on Palmer, who I know is going to be on the field, um, than Mims, who might be. Um, I know yeah. I'm giving up a little bit of ceiling to do that and possibly some ownership. Now, I will be looking for other op- – go, go look at $4,000 receivers. So is there anyone else in that range that just in general – So Shark, maybe. Shahid is, uh, yeah. he didn't play all that much. Shark at $4,000. Look, look, let's open up Shark. 11 targets. I mean, yeah, yeah Jonathan Mingo was concussed uh, last week as well. He's probably not going to play in week four. And Burks is there. Um, go down a little further. And for Quinton Johnson, maybe. Um, I mean, Downs. So, um, you know, I, 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 I want to. I love Mims. I, I like Mims' tape. I drafted him when he was very late in best ball, uh, yeah. when people weren't drafting him yet, really. Uh, but I, I can't assume rational coaching here right now. Yeah, it's. I think it was uh, Scott Barrett who uh, put out on Twitter today that like seven or eight of the top ten longest plays from scrimmage this year have been Marvin Mims, and he has ten touches or something, eleven touches. Uh, and, yeah, and, and played you know very little. Yeah, he was only in twenty four percent snap rate again, out snapped by Brandon Johnston uh, or Johnson. Um, Brandon Johnson and Little Jordan Humphrey were both elevated three times, which is the max that they can be elevated in a single season from the practice squad. That's why I was looking at, I didn't know if these guys were signed to the squad yet or not. Who? Brandon Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey. Are the yeah, two I, I mean, wide well, receivers Lil, Lil Jordan was a guy that Peyton had in New Orleans. I don't know that people yeah. remember that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, you know, I don't get it. He's 0-3. I mean, he's probably wishing he was back in the booth right now. I'm sure he hates Russ. Okay, um, so Humphrey was signed to the active roster, it looks like. I don't know about Brandon Johnson, to be honest. Um, I was thinking, like, maybe maybe he's out of he's out of moves there with those two, but they have been signed, it looks like. So, yeah, I don't know. We can only hope that we start to see Sean Payton wake up a little bit and play Marvin Mims. Um, I like trying to be early on that, but I don't know if I'll get there this week. Like you said, it's a, it takes a little bit of a leap of faith. Uh, anything else from this game environment before we move on? Um, hold on one sec. Carolina, no, we cut, co- we covered. Uh, well, what, what did Hayden Hurst do yesterday? 
Uh, not much, if my memory serves me correct. Because week one, yeah. and this is what I love about, you know, he got seven targets, was on the field all the time, then two weeks of three. All right. He was a guy, you know how every year, week one, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, boy, I missed the boat on that guy in best ball. Yeah. And then week three, at least a third, you know, two thirds of the guys you were worried about, you weren't worried about it anymore. Um, last year, I was worried about CEH after two weeks. Um, so, uh, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, is there anything else in and anything else interesting from this game? No. Just overall? Other games, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There always is interesting stuff. Um, this is an interesting one. Pitt and Houston. And I think I just got done raving, providing rave reviews of CJ Stroud, of Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator in uh, Houston, who we know is hails from the Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak coaching tree, but they, he's running this offense. Like, like he's been doing this for a while. Um, it's very, very impressive the way that he, Bobby Slowick is running this Houston offense. I'm seeing layered route concepts. I'm seeing um, schemed usage to get the ball into Nico Collins hands and tank Dell's hands in space. I'm seeing double moves. I'm seeing outside zone run concepts. He's running a legitimate offense, and C.J. Stroud looks good. What's your take on this Houston offense? I mean, see, I, I, you know, I don't watch college football. So when I go into watching tape of college players, I don't have preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, again, it's three games in. I could be wrong. But I was looking at Anthony Richardson's college tape, C.J. Stroud's, and Bryce Young. And I was wondering how anyone could consider drafting any of them over Stroud. His mm -hmm. arm was so much better. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of what uh, Bryce Young did, he did with Alabama. Um, yeah. And, and just, I don't know. I, I, I just had to say that Stroud was and I came around on Anthony Richardson because of the running and, and the ability to be a big breaker. And the other thing that really won me on Anthony Richardson was Anthony Richardson. The way he handled himself, yeah. the way you would get reports that he was the first guy in. You know, hearing all the things that you want to hear about a raw player um, got me to so that I'm at least slightly overweight on Richardson in best ball after a slow start. Um I just have a hard time with this game because Pittsburgh puts a tremendous amount of pressure um, on yeah. quarterbacks. And I think that based on the hype that they're getting, my expectation is the ownership isn't going to take into account the risk enough. You know, it's the kind of offense against Pittsburgh that if Stroud is two, one, two, three percent, and his weapons, you know, uh, Collins is ten, and Dell is ten, um, I would be, I would have sincere interest, even against Pittsburgh. But I expect it to be a little higher. I, I think that, at, you know, with a, not a lot of savings, I think the Tank Dell could be a twenty-plus percentage guy. 
I think that Collins could be 15. And in that case, I'd rather put them in games without Stroud than stacking that game, especially since um, even though Pittsburgh looked better last week. Now, let's look at Pittsburgh because what's Pickens? His, yeah, uh, real real Pickens quick, looked- before we do that, you might be thinking or asking, hey, Hilo, scroll up a little bit. You're only showing players priced 5500 and below. That is the top <laughs> skill position player from this game is priced at 5500 So that's a little bit interesting to me. Going over to quarterback, yeah, these these quarterbacks are also priced down. So, so the so highest I, cost. Look at Pickett's rushing yards yesterday. So, again, it's hard for me to get behind a guy who, against a bad defense, only put up 18 points with running. Yeah. But um, I will have a lot of interest in Pickens. Okay. At yeah, five this, four. I we mean, know that Deontay's is going to remain out. Uh, go go back to how many targets he got yesterday. I I went to bed. It was six. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I have sincere a lot of interest in George Pickens at that price, and I have a lot we of interest finally, in Tank Dell at forty six. We finally saw some level of explosive play from this Pittsburgh Steelers offense last night through the form of a 72-yard touchdown to Calvin Austin. Are you at all interested? He's only priced at 3300 here. Yeah, he no. saw six targets, but um, this is a guy who was actually on the field over Allen Robinson in two wide sets. Um, I mean, if I really, really – I mean – I went from zero interest, with, and then you said he was over Allen Robinson uh, and six targets. I mean, he needs two big plays. I mean, at 3-3, if he get you 15 points again, you're, you're thrilled, right? Yeah. Um, but too often, those kind of guys have let people down in DFS. Um, yep. I understand that for sure. We're coming off of... And we'll we'll preface this discussion with the on the backdrop of this season scoring has been down. Take away the Miami Dolphins blow up 70 pointer. But scoring is down and scoring has been down since the 2020 season. And we've theorized in these woods that game over stacks are going to build a lot more leverage than the field is likely to utilize them if you get that game right. I mean, we had two games last weekend, the Chargers and Vikings, and then if you were on the Dolphins, where you could have built a GPP-crushing roster if you were just using players from those three teams. Are, w- w- do you see a spot like that this week, or are we likely to see the winning score it takes to ship a GPP back down around 200 instead of 290 that it was this week? Well, I think if you're building a roster with 150 or more teams. You should set aside, a, you know, just like best ball, right? Like zero running back. Let's take it over to zero running back. You might not be a zero running back believer, but it's egregious to build 150 lineups and have no zero running back teams. 
right? Okay. It's it's uh, it's ridiculous to build a portfolio of 150 best ball teams and not have some robust running back builds. I think overstacks are absolutely a, a 10 to 15% must in a portfolio and they need to be strategically done. I think that, you know, when you get that, you know, that high you get when you're chasing the top of the leaderboard in a DFS yeah. contest and you look and you've got five guys live, you know, from, from that game, you know, your heart leaps because you know that you've got a much better chance than other people to, um, you know, if that game continues to go back and forth. And the reason yeah. that the Broncos game didn't produce more winners is because the Broncos didn't keep up. Right. Yep. They didn't hold their end of the bargain. If the Broncos had gotten a little more, you know, if Sutton hadn't fumbled those two plays, it could have been a completely different uh, dynamic. Um, if he ended up catching, you know, he could, he had, if he, he, he dropped it a second touchdown and he had two fumbles. I mean, Sutton could, if Sutton put up a 35 point game, it's a completely different day today. So um, yeah. I think absolutely um, overstacks are very, very important. But I wouldn't build 50% of my lineups that way. You know, I would pick somewhere between 10 and 35%. Do you think that's a fair number? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, for my MME brethren, I'm a single entry three max type myself. So I'm not afraid to overexpose or overextend in some aspects. Uh, well, this last week I had one game overstack of that Minnesota and Chargers game, um, and I did not overstack the Dolphins at all this week. Uh, that was on me. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm not afraid to kind of lean into that a little bit more. Uh, sorry about that. I've got an alarm going off here. The last thing I want to talk about, Todd, before we get out of here is this, what I have highlighted on the screen. We have Bengals team that has not looked good passing the football. But we also have a Tennessee defense that just made Deshaun Watson and company look coherent for the first time all season, or maybe since he came back into the league. Are you at all interested in a potentially low-owned potential eruption spot here for the Bengals' pass offense? I never get Joe Burrow right. Um, so this is the if go on your first read and then go the other way to this week. I know, but I that, that was a preface to the pass funnel on the Titans. Mm -hmm. um, we know the explosion for the Bengals is coming. So for me, it would come down to percentage of ownership. If Joe Burrow is five percent owned, six percent owned. Um, and if they have another bad game tonight, I think that's in the in the cards. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely would probably go 15% uh, versus that five, get nice three-to-one leverage with a pass funnel, uh, try and incorporate parts from the other two big games we talked about. Um, you know, throw in a Palmer, throw in, you know, throw in the good cheap value, Um and I would—I I normally don't double stack Burrow 
if I have yeah. Chase. Um, and I, I will double stack him sometimes with Higgins. But long story short, I, I, this one is really dependent on ownership for me more than the other spots because of the inconsistency. I, I need to get paid off on the ownership. Yeah, put yourself in future used shoes. We're sitting there on Tuesday morning. And Joe Burrow doesn't play Monday evening and Jamar Chase falls flat. T Higgins falls flat. Now we have Joe Burrow coming back into the roster at 2% ownership, maybe something insane like that. This just feels like it could be fruitful. And that is your last look at the first look. Todd, thank you, my man, for coming on here and shooting it with us. Uh, we might have to do this again, man, because that was a damn pleasure uh, any parting shots, I will throw it over to you to let the listeners know where they can find your work, because I know you have moved homes. Yep, I, uh, I'm working over at Sharp Football Analysis. I'm doing a Thursday night prop show every week uh, where Ryan McDow uh, McChrystal, who's a really bright guy, uh, we give a prop for the Thursday night show and we talk about the Thursday night show. Then we'll go through Ryan's five or six props of the week from his article. And then I will give do, do a very similar thing to what I did here today, but with more knowledge of, uh, you know, I'll at least have initial ownership reads. And I'll give, you know, some kind of bullet point uh, guys that I'm looking for for the week. Um, Mark, always a pleasure. Thank you for having me on anytime you need me, brother. Of course, man. And like we said, we'll have to hit this again. But go follow Todd. Throw out your Twitter handle there for the folks that are listening at as well. At Best Ball NFL. Beautiful. Go follow Todd at Best Ball NFL. Go check out his work at Sharp Football Analysis. And until next time, my friend, we will see you. This was First Mover. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All-In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.